The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to a new edition of Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard on Voice American Network. My co-host Spencer is on remote. And we have a great connection via the telephonic highway. And I want to start off after our little break with diving back into our favorite sport, which is NFL football. And it's time to look back. Now that we've had a little bit of time to digest the results of the Super Bowl, let's go right back into it. Spencer, welcome. Yeah, it's great to, it's great to be back and talking to all our fans. Uh, from uh, Bruce Sportsdoc, and we're really excited to jump right back into right back into football. And it's it's great to be back on the airways with you, Bruce. And I'm really excited tonight to to record some segments and uh, and talk to our fans again. And want to thank the network, Voice America Sports. Good to have you back. And I don't think we're going to spend this time doing the mundane, just going over the last play. And yeah. you know, they 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 should have. Uh, we could play the they should have given it to Marshawn game that is so popular, but I think that I think that card's been played a lot. Instead, I'd like to focus on other aspects of the game. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I do believe that hindsight that that was the wrong call because you have the best power back in the National Football League and maybe the best power back in the last decade, excluding Jerome Bettis. So. I, I, you know, I definitely would have continued to hand him the ball because he was moving the pile, and he got a, a bunch of yards on first down. So for them to even put it in the air, a lot of things can happen. I would have just had Wilson hand it off a couple of times. They probably would have got the yard in one. Well, like I said, we're not going to beat that dead horse, but now that you've opened the door that's been so wide open for the last few weeks, I think Pete Carroll, to his credit, um, owned the decision, didn't make any excuses, and, you know, things happen. You'll, you'll recall with um, the New England Patriots lost two very close, heartbreaking games to your New York Giants, and yeah. they managed to bounce back and, and win the Super Bowl. So I, I think I, I really want to talk about some other aspects of the game. So um, why don't you lead us into it? Uh, you want me to, uh, to talk about some aspects of the game? Well, I, I don't know about you, Bruce, but I was just so thoroughly impressed with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots because last year their AFC counterpart, the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning, were in the same position with Seattle. And it looked like at the end of the first half, New England had a 14-7 to lead. 
they really dominated Seattle in the first half. Their defense on Russell Wilson surrounding him and, and really made Russell Wilson look erratic and he couldn't get anything going. But then suddenly that pass to Jeff Matthews just totally bailed Seattle out. And then Bruce, talk about the third quarter because it looked like Seattle had a stranglehold on this football game. What were your, what were you thinking as that third quarter was playing out and Seattle was really taking it to New England? Like you said, I Russell Wilson is amazing quarterback, though that word is often used, in the sense that he really has amnesia for a bad start. And this game was just miserable. He was setting records for futility. And he came back and just got into a rhythm with his throws. Didn't run a lot in the game, but really has a great pocket presence. The defense exerted itself, and uh, it, it looked like things were really turning around, and, and Seattle had the momentum. And so that that was my thoughts on the game. But again, Brady threw two interceptions the first half. He could have been demoralized. I don't think he would have ever folded. But it was really a back-and-forth game, certainly one of the most exciting Super Bowls and uh, – so, so my, my feelings were that both teams played well. Both teams could have won the game. They were, in my mind, the two best teams in the National Football League going at it in the big game. I, I, would, I would have to agree, but you've never really seen a quarterback throw for four touchdowns and over 350 yards like Brady was able to accumulate. And the way that New England was able to do that was with short passes over the middle of the field. Seattle does play a zone. So you, if you are able to throw the ball properly and execute on your timing in between the gaps in the zone, like Edelman and Shane Vereen, just guys were just so well coached on where to stop and where to freeze when in the zone. And, and Tom Brady was able to find holes and, and move the balls up and move the ball up the field. And you know, I just was really impressed at how I was able to dissect that defense because. Playing Seattle is unbelievable. If you're impatient for one second, like you literally, if you have to go 80 yards, it's going to be a 16-play drive. It's going to be a grind. They're going to give you five yards. They're not going to give you a 25-yard pass. And that's what is so impressive about this defense is you literally have to be perfect to score a touchdown. In, and you just have to have such precision on short passes. And Edelman, I mean, he was getting knocked down time after time. Wasn't well, that fourth quarter just so impressive to just see them executing on all these little passes. It kind of looked like it was very treacherous flooding for New England, but they just kept at it. I agree with you. And Julian Edelman had a wonderful game. Certainly many people believe that Edelman should have actually been the MVP. He was really gritty. He got yards after the catch, got knocked down, seemed to find the seam in the defense. And without Edelman, I don't think New England would have won the game. But Brady, how could you argue with four touchdowns and over 300 yards? So it really was a great game to watch. And as far as the some of the statistics you don't talk about often, it was described that three to one ratio of Seattle to New England fans. So it was really the 12th man was evident even at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a surprise being four states away from Arizona, Washington, four states up north from from Glendale, Arizona. But like you alluded to, just New England, 
able to just climb back out of a hole. And with Seattle, when they're beating teams, when they're winning by 10 points or more, you think that lead is insurmountable. But Tom Brady, that's why he's one of the best of all time is because when the chips are down, he doesn't just roll over. And you saw so many quarterbacks that play Seattle just get so frustrated because, again, you can't hit on big plays. And also, New England got timely stops in the fourth quarter. There were some drops. There were a couple of missed passes on third downs. There were two crucial three and outs where Seattle could have gobbled up some clock and it really would have made New England's comeback opportunity even more rushed than it needed to be. And so Seattle couldn't get crucial first downs, and that opened the door for Brady, and boy, did he walk through it, but... Seattle's such a special team, aren't they, Bruce, because of Russell Wilson and because they can take the ball. And you think of Seattle as a team that runs the football as a run-first offense, but like you saw in the Green Bay game, Wilson can, can take you down the field 70 yards in two minutes or less. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. They really don't have any holes in that Seattle team. I agree with you, and I think that Pete Carroll's a great coach. He... He's, you know, a guy in his 60s, but he still has that college spirit like he had at USC. And I really, you know, I, I love his spirit and an exciting team to root for. I know the defense, you know, it, it's like if they're your team, you love them, but they're really very brash. And if you don't like them, then you really dislike them. <laughs> so yeah, it reminds me back in the old days, Spence, with Jerome Brown and, and um, Reggie White and Seth Joyner. The Eagles really are a, for, a fierce team. And, you know, you, you hand it to Seattle. Tremendous picks. They, they've gotten, they've assembled a, a really great defense. And, you know, I think they're going to be back. I think they're going to bounce back. And they're not going to fall very low after this game. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is that they got some things to work out in the off season because Russell Wilson, his rookie contract, I believe, is up. So he's going to be accumulating so much more of the cap now. He could be getting, um, he could be getting more than about twenty million a year, and that would really factor into the defensive players that they have right now on that roster because they have so many guys. They have a solid eleven playing defense, but if Russell Wilson is handed that big contract that can really put them in a bind going forward with distributing that money. So that's something to definitely look after because Seattle hit the lottery with Russell Wilson because they're only paying the guy $600,000 a year. And that's unbelievable when you look at Kyle Orton and Buffalo is making $3 million. So that just puts everything in perspective for this run. They just have had free reigns to go out and build a monster defense because their quarterback is making under a million a year. Yeah, look at Jay Cutler. He's making $22 million a year. Talk about being yeah. overpaid. Yeah, certainly. You look around the league, and that's a, that's a huge problem. And, and, you know, teams really have to make that decision. And it's interesting, uh, Seattle's rival to the south, the San Francisco 49ers, they kind of went on a hot streak with Colin Kaepernick getting very close to winning a Super Bowl. And how about the New York Jets' Mark Sanchez had some spectacular seasons where in the final four two straight years in 0-10 and 0-11, almost beat Pittsburgh to go to the championship game. 
Well, time's run short on this first segment. We're going to be switching gears in the next segment. We're going to be talking about some Big East basketball, and things are really settling into place as we prepare for the conference tournaments. And, of course, we edge closer to one of our favorite times of year, March Madness. So stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented by Outdoor Channel. We're going after elk, and our hunting party will include executive producer of Realtree Outdoors, David Blanton, outdoor writer Tim McWelch, Cabela's optics manager Phil Severinsen, and award-winning author Keith McCafferty. Did you know the elk threaten each other by curling back their upper lip, grinding their teeth, and hissing softly? That's what Jim does. And it's presented to you by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the 
shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. To left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the second segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm a neurologist and sports medicine doctor right here in the Philadelphia area. And we are remote with my co-host, close relative of mine, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. And it's time that we roll into Big East basketball. Let's start out with the controversy of the night. Sterling Gibbs offering a forearm shiver to a defenseless player, Ryan Archie Diacomo in the game, 26-point blowout at the Pavilion. Villanova beats Seton Hall Pirates. Spencer, we've seen the replay over and over again. What's your view of the play, and what's your view of the potential penalty for this? Well, I saw the play a bunch of times, and and pretty much the, the visual, to give you guys kind of an illustration, is that Ryan Archibiakino is battling for the ball with another seat called Pirate, and he's laying on the floor, and and pretty much the play has been decided, like the ref, you know, has decided the play. He's laying there, and then Sterling Gibbs comes in, he clenches his fist, and Diakino is just laying on the ground there helplessly, and Gibbs just comes in and punches him in the face and continues to go for the ball. So... You know, Gibbs had time to load up, see Archie Diakono on the ground, and it was kind of a nasty hit that Gibbs delivered to Archie Diakono. I mean, even though they were both, even though they were wrestling for a loose ball, it's, it, Gibbs still had time to process and to to hit Archie Diakono. And um, you know, after Archie Diakono got hit by Gibbs. Gibbs did not maintain the pressure on Archie Diakono, meaning he did not try to injure him further. It was just kind of a one-shot deal, and then he tried to go after the ball. So that that also is something you have to take into consideration as well, because some guys that are really trying to get into an altercation might punch a guy and then continue to wrestle him. But Gibbs did lay a big blow in the Archie Diakono in that fashion. I agree with you. And I thought, in looking at the replay, the referees were decisive. They called it a flagrant two, an ejection. And what's what's going on right now, looking at the post-game iteration, reiteration, is that it's going right to the Big East commissioner. And the question in my mind is, is this going to be a season suspension or a defined multi-game suspension? There, there is going to be a suspension. Spencer, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, this is this is kind of the part of the discussion I'd love to dive into because the first the first question I pretty much dissected what I saw, and now I'm going to give you my opinion, and I believe that there should be a multi-game suspension. I believe it should be a two to three game suspension by the Big East Conference right here before the Big East tournament, and a large part of that hinges on the fact that Sterling Gibbs immediately apologized to Archie Diakono. 
on Twitter, and Archie Diakono said, that's fine, man. I understand it was in the heat of the moment, and I, you know, I accept your apology. Everything's all good, Sterling. That's what Archie Diakono said to Gibbs. So that kind of exchange on Twitter definitely helped Gibbs' chances going forward, and it kind of lessened the severity of the, of the um, incident. But Sterling Gibbs still hit Ryan Archie Diakono. It was still blatant. It has to be a multi-game suspension. I wouldn't suspend him the whole year. At most, it would be probably an eight, a five to seven game suspension. I, I would give him three games of suspension and uh, take it from there. What about you, Bruce? I agree with you. I believe that it was. It didn't have mitigating factors like you like you said. I would look at the player Sterling Gibbs. He does not have, to my knowledge, prior incidents, and therefore he should be suspended. He's already apologized, and people make mistakes. And um, you know, it, it's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give him a whole season penalty. Essentially, Seton Hall is probably going to play one and done in the Big East tournament. And they'll be. They'll be done. They're not going anywhere as far as tournament play is concerned. But these days, sometimes they send a message, and it's not clear to me. I can't pretend to predict exactly how this thing's going to go down. Well, yeah, and well, here's the thing, too, is, and me and you are both guys that, that play basketball, so we can kind of come from a primary source on this issue, is that really you look at... Um, you look at the at Sterling Gibbs and what he did, and you know they were diving for a loose ball, and that is something that's in the heat of the moment. It's not like Archie Diakono was just walking down the floor like there was no play going on. He just jacked him up and hit him like a total cheap shot. It was a cheap shot, but it was also the goal was to get the basketball. Um, and me and you play pickup games all the time, and all the times you'll see guys try to get a competitive advantage, whether it's like just like boxing someone out, elbowing guys in the lane. Things can get hairy when you play basketball. And in this society of things, you just got to, I just kind of would like to, uh, to see us just, just see the guys apologize. And I loved Gibbs apologizing to Archie Diakonel. And basically what goes on on the court stays on the court and does not affect our daily lives. And that's why basketball with Bird and Magic was so special, because Bird and Magic... Those teams hated each other in the 80s, but after the game, they were cordial and they were friendly to each other, and that's the ultimate sign of respect and sportsmanship. I want to go to the next game on our list. This game was premium, and it was it was certainly lived up to its billing. Creighton Blue Jays against Butler Bulldogs, and it was a homecoming of sorts for Brad Stevens, coach of the Boston Celtics formally put Butler on the map with some great teams. And also Doug McDermott making his return. Second day, second game at the CenturyLink Center. Certainly an all-time great Blue Jay. And the the Blue Jays, they, they are at the bottom of the Big East. Disappointing season. And they faced the number 19 ranked Bulldogs. And they went into the last two and a half minutes with a six-point lead. And it was very exciting. But things fell through. 
Butler came through with two three-point plays, two uncharacteristic misses. Austin Chapman, an ill-advised long three-pointer early in the shot clock, and also a missed front end of the one-and-one. And lastly, Patient Jones, I should say patient, I should say player, that shows you spending too much time in the in the office when everybody's a patient. But player Jones <laughs> came through, not a mental patient, but an actual player. And he had a beautiful running um, roller, and he made the dagger. And Greg McDermott threw up, drew up, and almost threw up, but actually drew up a play, throwing it to the big boy, and it came down to Devin, who I think he was mostly focused on the clock, not as much the basket. And Creighton loses by two. People are going to look at that score and think, <clears throat> oh, well, we didn't expect Creighton to win anyway. But looking at the game, Creighton could have won, and I thought it was a, a disappointing loss for the Creighton Blue Jays. Spencer, your thoughts? Yeah. Three minutes left, Creighton has a six-point lead, and then these are the plays that ensued. Butler makes a layup. Butler steals the ball, and one, and one. So at that point, Butler's then up by one. After after that, that those sequence, they went on they went on the NATO run to close the game, and that's what good teams do when uh, when it's time when the lights are on. Their basketball team, Butler, that is just 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 able to scrape out road wins. And when the going gets tough and you need a basket, Butler was really able to produce. And you know what? It's disappointing. A game's forty minutes long, and if you're the better team, you're at home. Sometimes you really need to try to get it when you're coming down the stretch to an about an eight point margin. But Creighton wasn't able to do that. They let Butler hang around, got sloppy on defense, and then things got really tight. When things get tight, it can be a 50-50 game. And you got to take more advantage of the time when you're playing great. You had to get more stops. And it was just too much of a yo-yoing game, meaning Butler would take, Creighton would take, kind of a seesaw battle the whole way. And for Creighton at home, when they're playing a ranked opponent that is really good at winning late games, a team that has a winning culture this year, the goal is to really put them away early. Um, but I have seen an improvement from this Creighton team. Jeffrey Grossell's been playing unbelievable basketball. He had eight points today. Will Artino was, was aggressive again on the board, really playing hard and finishing with more confidence. And finally, Chapman and Devin Brooks are getting into the teeth of the defense and spraying out the shooters. There's some pep in the step of the guards right now for Creighton. And, and these guys are just, they just seem to be playing with more confidence. They really seem to be improving, moving around the basketball. And Rick Recrelo has been a bright spot. So if Creighton wouldn't have got off to such a slow start, starting out 0-9 in the Big East, that's an unbelievable climb to come back from. And who knows if Creighton would have got out to, let's say, a 3-7 and start in Big East play, maybe this season could have been saved. But, you know, Bruce, you've played on some teams that got out to – an 0-8 start, and it's just so hard to maintain that confidence when you start out conference play with a big over. I want to also mention, shout out to Devin Brooks for three three-pointers. He has been ice cold from the three-point line and came up with three big ones, some great roles. We are 
reaching the end of the second segment. We've got some treats aboard for the listening audience. We have not one, but two excellent, putting modesty aside, segments on sports medicine. Stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes to Bruce the Sports Psycho at voiceamerica.com. School to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Today we're going to cover the dreaded Achilles rupture. Following the last out of Game 5 of the National League playoff series between the Cardinals and Phillies, Ryan Howard collapsed in agony. He suffered a full rupture of his left 
Achilles tendon. This is one of the most devastating injuries in sports in that it requires one of the longest rehab periods. We're going to cover why that is. Firstly, the anatomy. The Achilles tendon is the thickest and strongest tendon in the human body. It connects the calf muscle, which is called the gastrocnemius, down to the heel bone, which is called the calcaneus. Depending on speed, stride, and weight, the Achilles tendon is strong enough to withstand up to 12 times a person's body weight during a sprint or push-off. So how is it that this tendon is injured? It's usually a ballistic load, either by accelerating or changing positions or cutting. In this case, Ryan Howard was sprinting out of the batter's box, and he tore his left Achilles. The feeling he got was similar to the feeling that your host, that would be me, got in 1997 during a weekend warrior basketball game at the Springfield Healthplex. It felt like somebody struck me in the back of my left heel with a two-by-four. I looked around to see who the perpetrator was, and nobody was there. That is, when I tore my Achilles following a cut in a basketball game, there was a full rupture, and Ryan Howard had a similar commentary after his tear. He felt, and his perception was, that he was struck with his own bat And that's what caused the Achilles tear, because that's exactly what it feels like. The Achilles tendon was named after the ancient Greek hero of the Trojan War, Achilles. That is, this small part of his body, known as the Achilles tendon, was his tragic flaw. He was killed by an arrow shot into his heel. So that's how we call this, why we call this an Achilles tendon. Before we talk about treatment, let's talk about prevention. Correct footwear, very, very important. Particularly with high-arched shoes in the games of basketball and tennis. And also proper sports taping in order to allow for extra protection or padding for the Achilles tendon is very important. There are certain things called anti-pronation or motion shoes. And also certain orthotics could be helpful in preventing Achilles injuries. Also proper warm-up and stretching before sports activities is imperative in order to protect one from this injury. However, there's no absolute protection. We can look back at Atlanta Hawks Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins actually tore both Achilles at different times. The first part of treatment of an Achilles is proper diagnosis. Firstly, there's a McMurray's test where there's actually, you palpate, and if there is a full rupture, there will actually be a discontinuity in the Achilles tendon, which is very easy to note. And... uh, I certainly recall that with my own Achilles tear. Uh, normally, there's a fibrous cord, and instead, there's just a space there. There's also a complete lack of the ability to, uh, to use that muscle, which is to plant or flex or move the foot in a downward position. So basically, you know, lose your ability to plant or flex 
you basically are rendered unable to stand or walk. The acute acute treatment is anti-inflammatory medications and ice, and then surgery, usually within a few hours to a few days. I went to surgery within 24 hours of my tear. The surgery is, uh, is not that complicated. Basically, the surgeon goes and retrieves the upper portion of the heel cord, sometimes up as high as the calf muscle, and then basically uh, plantar flexes the foot, that is, brings the foot down completely to uh, connect or reanastomose the two parts of the Achilles. So there's a very firm suture and closure, and then the foot is, cla- is casted in a downward direction in plantar flexion. Over the next few weeks, there are a series of casts that are placed and removed, and the patient graduates to a walking boot, which is also called a Donjoy, D-O-N-J-O-Y boot. This is the same company that makes the uh, Donjoy knee brace, which was made famous by uh, Dan Marino, who wore that heavy knee brace uh, throughout the latter part of his playing career. The MRI can be utilized as a confirmatory test for an Achilles tendon rupture. Though the tear is confirmed physically by simply squeezing the calf muscles and the foot doesn't move, you can't palpate the tendon. It's a torn torn Achilles. Operatively, the incision is three to four inches behind the ankle. The risks of the operation to repair of an Achilles are similar to any time there's an operation. That is, infection, scarring, bleeding, poor wound healing. It's unusual for there to be a re-tear or re-rupture of the Achilles tendon, but it is certainly a possibility. In the old days, some cases were treated non-operatively, that is for partial tears. However, the risks of non-operation include a higher risk of re-rupture and possible loss of strength with pushing off of activity. So for a professional athlete, the treatment is almost always surgical. Why is the recovery time so slow? Up to six months. The reason is because the Achilles tendon has a very poor blood supply. And therefore, the healing process is painfully slow. Painfully slow, excuse me. Nothing to do with snow, of course. So, essentially, throughout this process, it's very painful. The Donjoy boot is a laced up, it's actually a Velcroed up uh, boot, which is worn up to the knee. It can be used to assist patients in walking while they recover and while the Achilles slowly heals. A very important part of rehab is to restore range of motion. Gradually try to restore the range of motion with respect to lifting the foot up or dorsiflexion because that's what stretches out the Achilles. So if there is a, uh, a tight Achilles, if there is a contracture, there may be loss of bringing the toe up, which is called dorsiflexion or toe extension. So the rehab has to be uh, very uh, has to be on a daily basis and involves strengthening the calf, 
when the patient comes out of the cast, as I recall, the calf muscle is gone and it has to be completely rehabilitated. With respect to Ryan Howard, he completed the Achilles tendon surgery, which went well, and he's now in the period of casting. The goal is to get it back early next season, but there's certainly no guarantees. Well, he will have the benefit of the best team of physical therapists and rehab doctors. There is an individual variability in the healing process. And when you have a very large, powerful athlete, uh, obviously the recovery is, is, is painful, as is the rehabilitation. So let's summarize the Achilles. It's a tendon that connects the calf to the foot. It's extremely strong. It can hold up to ballistic forces of 12 times the body weight. However, during push-off or ballistic movements, the athlete can partially or completely tear the Achilles. The diagnosis is easily confirmed using physical testing, though the MRI is often used, as in the case of Ryan Howard. Early treatment, ice, elevation, anti-inflammatories, usually followed by corrective surgery, three to four inch incision, reanastomosis, that is connecting the Achilles tendon, followed by progressive casting, and finally, a period of rehabilitation of six to eight months. And it will take up to 12 months for the athlete to return to full action, full running and cutting. The, the purpose of the rehab is to restore strength to the calf, flexibility and dexterity, and to restore range of motion in the foot and ankle structure. So this has been a summary of the sports medicine topic, Achilles tear pertaining to Philly's first baseman, Ryan Howard, and your humble host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, who share one thing in common, and that would be the full rupture of a left Achilles tendon. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a few. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610 521 
888-888-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're dealing with a very important area now, which will be... Injuries to the low back. This could relate to your sports injuries or other types of trauma, such as falls at work or car accidents. This is an area of extreme expertise for grossing or neuropain specialists. If you are within driving distance of the sound of my voice and you have a low back problem, whether it be a disc, whether it be a spinal cord injury, whether it be a car accident or a work accident, please call us for consultation, 610-521-6063. Again, I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Let's start out with the types of injuries in the low back. I like to think of three different main injuries in the low back that are serious. Number one, injuries to the discs, okay, and they include bulging, protruding, or traumatic discs. That's when the inner core which is the nucleus pulposus, essentially ruptures and breaks through the outer part, which is called the annulus fibrosis. Excuse the Latin. And what happens when a disc breaks out is it moves into an area where a nerve lives, a nerve root. In Latin, the word root is called radic. So when there is a disc problem or a bone spur, which presses into a nerve root in the spine, or, alternatively, if there is a tremendous force, particularly a flexion and extension force to the spine, that could actually tear or partially tear the nerve cables. The nerve cables are oriented such that there's an inner cable, which is like the inner part of a wire, that's called the axon, and there's an outer cable, which is called the myelin. So, we've talked about different injuries. What? Disc injury. That's one type of injury. Another type of injury is direct trauma to the nerve, stretching or pulling. If the nerve actually gets pulled out of the spinal column, that's called an avulsion. That leaves somebody with a flaccid limb, either an arm or leg, and total weakness. A nerve root avulsion, regrettably, is a very serious problem that's very difficult to treat. Another problem with the lumbar spine is called the facet syndrome. That is, the interconnecting joints are called facets. And in the same area, there are little nerves called median branches. And what happens is, there's injury to those joints and those nerves, and there's usually multiple levels of injury. So our treatment usually involves treating multiple levels, a three on average. So when you have a patient that comes in and tells you, I have back pain, morning stiffness, and you examine them, and they have tenderness overlying the facet joints, that's what we call a facet syndrome. When Tiger Woods injured his neck last year, 
He did not herniate a disc, but he had a cervical facet syndrome. He required treatment for that problem and eventually recovered. So when we think about it, we look at the back in the midline area, we see midline discs and nerves. We also think about the facets, which is a vertically oriented group of multi-level nerves and joints. Finally, it's separate and distinct, something called the sacroiliac joint. When the pain is either on one side or both sides, unilateral or bilateral, and when I put my finger right on what we call the dimples of the back, otherwise known as the sacroiliac joint, the posterior superior iliac spines, and there's extreme tenderness there. Or alternatively, if there's unleveling, when I look at it carefully, if one of the sacroiliac joints is way higher than the other, I think about something called sacroiliac joint syndrome. Sacroiliac joint syndrome. How does it compare with the other entities? It typically does not radiate down into one or both legs. It's not radiating in character. It's not a radiculopathy. That's the Latin word. Also, it's usually in a different area. It doesn't go up the spine. It doesn't affect multiple levels. It basically is such when you put your finger on the SI joint, there's pain. And there's also two other tests called the Patrick's test, wherein you do a maneuver to the hip and the leg. And also something called a Lasagne's test, which is another provocative test we do in the office. When those tests are positive, they can support the diagnosis of sacroiliac dysfunction. Well, how do you treat sacroiliac dysfunction? Number one, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, myofascial treatment, even gentle manipulation, either osteopathic manipulation or chiropractic manipulation. And also, we do both diagnostic and therapeutic injections. In the operating room, we do this in neuropain specialists. We take a needle, we place it down an x-ray beam directly at the SI joint, and we inject a powerful anti-inflammatory and local anesthetic agent. When that relieves the pain, that's a positive diagnostic test, and there's also a therapeutic component. We usually do up to three injections in the sacroiliac area. Okay, let's go back to diagnosis number one. Disc injuries, lumbar root injuries. How do we treat that? So how do we treat herniated discs? Number one, at the core is a good clinical exam. There are rare cases that represent true surgical emergencies. When somebody has an acute injury to their disc, they herniate it, and they develop an inability to pass urine, or they develop constipation, that is a true emergency. That indicates the likelihood of a spinal cord involvement, or what we call a cauda equina syndrome. That's a big word in Latin. Cauda equina relates to the horse's tail. In that case, we send them to an immediate surgeon who usually does a decompression. They remove the disc with or without a fusion to stabilize the spine. That's unusual, however. 95% or greater, we start off conservatively. Anti-inflammatory medicines, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, rest, stretching, second-tier treatment. We do epidural injections in our office. That means in an operating room, we place a needle at the level of the disc, above or below it. We inject corticosteroids, local anesthetic agents. 
We usually do two or three of these injections over a period of four to six weeks. In our hands, the epidural injections have a 70% chance of significantly impacting on the patient's problem. They don't remove the disc, but they usually can induce a relative remission and they allow the patient to continue their activities. So, review. Disc injuries. Unless there's a true surgical emergency, we use physical therapy, medicines, injections. We also believe gentle mobilization, which can be done by a physical therapist or can be done safely by a chiropractic physician, are very important tools in the treatment of lumbar disc injuries. We talked about sacroiliac dysfunction, pain in the butt, literally, and these problems are treated by medicine, mobilization, and injections directly to the sacroiliac joint. The way we do our injections, we use a special x-ray machine called a fluoroscope, so we have actual pictures of the needle, we can see where the medicine is going, and we can follow that up and we can share that with the patient. I believe at the core of the treatment of low back injuries is good communication, interaction between the doctor and the patient. And again, we can see low back injuries at a host of scenarios. We can see them from car accidents, work injuries, and particularly in the sporting environment. Oftentimes, it's a twist, it's an acceleration, it's a deceleration, it's a slip and fall. We see it a lot in the wintertime. Black ice, head over heels, I landed on my back. And when they come to us, we have to decide whether it's a serious neurological injury. Another class of back injuries are the non-serious variety, what we call the simple strain and sprain. Soft tissue injuries. These injuries get better, typically in four to six weeks. They require no formal um, injections or surgical treatment. They often don't require even CAT scans or MRIs. They usually get better with rest, anti-inflammatory medicines, something called a Medrol dose pack, which is a methyl prednisolone pack over five days, gentle physical therapy, chiropractic care, and time. So if it's a simple low back strain, they get better. However, we see so many patients who are told by their doctors or by whomever, don't worry about it, you have a simple strain. They go ahead and they get evaluated, they get a careful exam by a neurologist, we find they need MRIs, and it turns out that they fall in the other category of the more serious big three, lumbar disc injuries, nerve injuries, that's one category, lumbar facet injuries, and sacroiliac injuries. We're going to reinforce this particular discussion on future dialogues with you, the listener at Voice America Sports. This concludes this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I will continue to help you journey through Nerveland, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.